This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. sorts of interesting techniques that managers have for determining who to hire in a job interview. Because let's face it, there are all sorts of qualified people, or people that seem to be qualified, I should say, that apply for any given job. My father, for instance, you know, he was um, either a president or a vice president of an insurance company for many, many years. And had a lot of managerial positions most of his career. He's you know, retired now. And I would ask him about his job interviewing technique. And he told me a question that he would ask job applicants is some, – I'm paraphrasing here. But it was something like, if you had to be an animal, what kind of animal would you be and why? And I said, well, what would that tell you? If someone said that they were a bear or an elephant, what would that tell you about what kind of, a, I don't know, an insurance person they'd be? And he said, nothing. I would just wanted to see how they handled the question. That was kind of my test because you're going to be posed all sorts of unforeseen circumstances when you're working for me, and that's one. I said, okay. And he said, then, I don't think you could ask anybody that question. These days, they'd probably get you in trouble. Well, <clears throat> an executive's coffee cup test for job candidates has sparked online debates as his secret evaluation method has gained attention from social media users who stumbled upon this four-year-old interview. Trent Innes of Melbourne, Australia, revealed his covert personality test when he appeared on the popular business podcast, the Venture podcast, while he was a managing director at Zero, an accounting software company. So in the podcast titled The Secret Job Interviewing Hack to Recruit the Right Staff, Innes explained that he escorts job interview candidates to an office kitchen and... You know, whilst skills, knowledge, and experience are all super important when, you, when, when you're hiring people, having a culture internally where people take ownership is really important, especially in a scale-up environment. When the, when the organization is scaling, you know, everybody needs to do everything. And uh, it's making sure if you can, if you can try and identify that on the way through, it's really important to the business. Yeah. Well, again, I don't know who picked that clip, but it didn't explain him doing the test. But so anyway, Innes explained that he escorts job interview candidates to an office kitchen. And he offers them a cup of coffee or another beverage before he moves on to other questions. Candidates who don't offer to take their empty cups back to the kitchen at the end of their interview are unlikely to get a job offer from Innes. He says 
um, you know, you can develop skills, you can gain knowledge and experience, but it really does come down to attitude. And the attitude that we talk a lot about is the concept of wash your coffee cup. That's what he said during the podcast. He explained that he thinks the test weeds out job candidates who wouldn't be a workplace culture fit. He also said most people tend to pass the post-interview test. So most people do tend to take the coffee cup back to the kitchen. Do you think that's an effective way to weed out candidates? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Maybe we'll do that when we hire interns around here, although no one has tasked me with hiring interns around here. So the social media users who have discovered Innes's podcast interview in the last year, they have been debating whether the coffee cup test is a fair metric to evaluate a job candidate's fit. I don't know who this is because it's not listed on my uh, cut sheet here or in the title of the clip, but somebody somewhere has some reaction to this coffee cup test. Let's, let's listen because I'm in just as much suspense as you are. It shows a massive dinosaur approach to recruitment and also is one of the most unfair things I've ever heard of. I, I, I like it. I like it. I think people should at least offer to bring back the cup to the kitchen. So the online discussions are taking place on TikTok, Facebook, Reddit, and most people seem to think that these coffee cup test isn't a reliable vetting tool. One person wrote, I feel like I feel like it's weird to wash your own cup at an interview when you're a guest there. I'd probably just ask what they want me to do with the cup. Well, that's kind of what I'd do. And another person writes, if we're still in the kitchen, yes, but if we're in a conference room and I leave, I'm not walking around the office again. I don't work there yet. One person says, I wouldn't even take the cup in the first place, honestly. And then another person says, I understand the spirit behind it, given that I hate people not clearing up after themselves, but it's not a fair or accurate way of testing people. What do you think? Is it a fair and accurate way of testing people? And again, you want to take other things into account, education, uh, whatever else. But if, if all things are equal, I would hire the person that puts the coffee cup back, that takes it back to the kitchen. Well, actually, I don't know. My view would be, hey, should I bring this back to the kitchen? That's how I would handle it. 800-848-9222. You have an opinion on this, uh, Mr. Tony? I was I was just telling Matt, um, I was interviewing someplace about five years ago, and we were in the conference room, and then when they showed me around the, 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 um, the place, um, we passed by the kitchen, and the, and the gentleman asked me, did I want a, a cup of water or coffee? And I got me some water. And I was walking around with the cup, and then when I was done with the interview, I just threw the cup away. Did you get hired? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, see, that's why. Now we know why. <laughs> so you you find this is an effective tool for vetting out people? Not really. I, no. I, and I, I think it's unnecessary. I mean, like I, I was qualified for the job. Well, but let's assume there was another guy that was just as qualified, right? I mean, maybe that person didn't throw the cup away. Matt Blaze, where are you on this coffee cup job interview test? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I First of all, the guy put so much thought into, I'm going to walk him into the kitchen. Somehow, I'm going to get you to get a drink. Then I'm going to watch you take the cup into the conference room, wherever we go. And if you don't take the cup with you, you're not going to be hired. There's like so much thought into this little detail of, 
I want to see what this person does. Mm. How narcissistic behavior could that possibly be even more than that? To say that, to put so much into, not if the, if the person's qualified for the job, if they're a good fit for the well, job. Well, let's it's, stipulate that everybody who's interviewing is qualified, right? And he's trying to he's separate the wheat from the shaft. And that's the dividing shaft. factor, is if they take their cup yeah. away with them from the conference room. Now, I'm thinking about if it was me, what would I do? I would take the cup with me because most likely there's going to be something left in it and I would just take it with me. But I don't think it's the proper way to vet someone if they don't because like people were saying, I don't work there. I don't maybe I don't even remember where the kitchen could be. Because I just walked around quickly, and you know how it is when you go on a tour of a new workplace that you want to work at. You don't remember where stuff is. But that's no idea. That's why why I think you take the cup, you motion the cup, and you say, "Hey, what should I do with this? Should I put it back in the kitchen?" You 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 make the you put the onus on him to at least show that you have the effort that you're not just going to leave it there in whatever conference room you find yourself. So yeah, I don't think I'd leave it there, but I don't know if I would if I would hold it against somebody if they left it there. Well, now, now we know why you're not working for zero. I guess I guess, There you go. 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hi, Larry. Yeah, hi, Frank. I'm, I'm, I'm going to comment on this. This is the most trivial, nonsensical criteria I ever heard. And I'll tell you what it's analogous to. Um, you know, when I, was, when I just got my law degree, I went on a lot of interviews uh, with single practitioners, lawyers, and there was one guy there that had a gumball machine on his desk. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world because it showed that he was relaxed. And if he was so relaxed that he could have a gumball machine, he must be doing extremely well. And I really wanted to get hired by that guy instead of some uptight guy who was always running sure. around in a tight suit. And, and, you know, when I look back upon that, I see that was the dumbest thought I ever had. But then again, I was, I was green. Of course, I wouldn't have dumb thoughts, you know. So uh, this is analogous to that. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything. I would put the, cu- the cup right down because I didn't, I didn't get it from the kitchen to myself. I wouldn't want to trespass into somebody's kitchen. That's so you would trespass. leave it there in the conference room? I would judge somebody on the opposite criteria. If you went into my kitchen, I said, what the hell are you doing in my kitchen? I said, well, see, that's why I think my method is the best. So, Larry, you have a law degree? I'm a licensed attorney, yes. Did you pass the bar? On the first shot. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I, uh, well, good for you. I had no idea. What kind of law, if any, did you practice? Okay, I didn't practice for too long. Um, for some reason, me and the law field didn't really uh, hit it, but I did, I did like civil law. Shucks. like neg- I worked this for a bunch of negligence lawyers borderline racist uh, when things. I first got didn't my law degree. It. And later on, I did some real estate. All right. Well, that's but, interesting, Larry. All right. Hey, uh, thank you for the uh, thank you for the input there, and uh, I hope you got a gunball machine of yourself one day. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. We got a lot of Charlies on the line. Let me begin with Charles in Queens. What do you think, Charles? Well, first of all, I think there's something wrong here because you're saying the guy said, "Oh, the majority of the people went and brought the cup back to the kitchen to wash it out or whatever," and yet you got a whole bunch of answers, email or whatever. Twitter or whatever it was, that said, no, I wouldn't do that. I don't work there. And, and a whole bunch of answers in the negative. So and I, I don't see, I agree with those negatives that, that you don't work there. What have I got to do with it? Somebody, I'm the, I'm the guest. I'm not going to go to the kitchen. doesn't make sense to me. But I have a much better idea, my own idea, what could work. Pe- a lot of people don't realize that. They go in 
and all they want to do is talk to the boss. And the secretary or the girl in the front or the guy in the front should should be rude to the person. And let's see how he treats, how he behaves, how the potential in the interviewee behaves with a woman being rude. Or does he treat people well? That's a trick that would work. That. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there are a lot of people that there are a lot of people that do that as well. And, you know, and thank you. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Charles. Um, and let's if we can try and get I don't know if Elias can hear me, but if we can try and get a little more of the interview from this podcast, it's at around the 16 minute mark. He makes those remarks and maybe he can provide a little bit more context. Uh, I like the coffee cup test. I do. I, I like my handling of it best. Because you are a guest, but you want to show some consideration. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Before the show yesterday, our president, uh, Chad Lopez, was in here. And I was uh, getting ready to leave. I saw him. He's not usually in, you know, when I'm leaving. So I said, oh, you know, maybe we could, we could chat for a few minutes. I was drinking a Diet Coke, which I very rarely do. But, uh, one, we have all this leftover Diet Coke from the party that we had, the Christmas party. And it's, you know, it's kind of around. So I said, all right, let me grab it. Maybe, you know, I don't drink a lot of caffeine. Maybe it'll keep me awake for the ride home. And so I had this meeting in, in Chad's office. And again, I know it's different because I work here and it's not a job interview. But we had this meeting in Chad's office. I drink the Diet Coke. I finished the Diet Coke. I threw it away into the recycling bin in his office. I didn't leave it there. I didn't bring it back to the kitchen. I threw it away there. Again, maybe it's not a perfect analogy. But um, I did feel like he took note of that that I threw it out into his garbage. Now, maybe he was judging me, thinking I was being a little too comfortable putting things in his garbage. I don't know. But come to think of it, maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I should have brought it back to the kitchen putting it in the, uh, in the garbage there. Or, you know, maybe I shouldn't have taken that Diet Coke to begin with. 800-848-9222. Herb is in Ohio. Hello, Herb. Hi, yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. One test that I've heard... And it's a little unusual. It was a, and it didn't happen to me. I just, this is one I've heard. A Chick-fil-A manager hiring people would throw a napkin on the floor. And if the future employee would pick it up on the way to the interview, that was a good sign. I like that. They, I like if, that. That's a good one. Walk, yeah. If they just walked right on by it and didn't give two craps, then that was a different thing. So, you know, the thing that I would wonder though, is maybe that napkin is on the floor for a reason. Maybe it's covering up a spill or something. Yeah, but he did it on purpose. No, I I know. I understand that, but I'm thinking if I was the job applicant, maybe I wouldn't necessarily pick it up, even though I'm normally very, um, very on top of things because I would, you know, I, I would think maybe it's there for a reason. Herb, thank you for sharing that. 800-848-9222. Deirdre in New Jersey. Hello, Deirdre. How are you? I, I like to think I'm doing okay, but, uh, you know, I'm sure the listeners will tell me differently if that's not the case. I'm like, oh, you're thinking. There's a difference. You're thinking. No, you should know. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe that's part of All my right. problem. Whatever it is, but I will tell you, um, no, I think what you were saying, um, no, is, is not what they were, they were talking about. Um, I, I, you lost me, Deirdre. Okay. So I'm on, I'm listening to the program and, um, I'm hearing 
Uh, I'm just like listening. I'm getting very upset every time I listen to this radio station. And I hear what they're saying, but I'm like, damn. So what am I commenting on now? Well, that's what I'd like to know. Well, I'm trying to tell you. Um, I'm like, wow. So I listened and I heard and I'm trying to get through and I get through. And I'm like, what are you on now? Because there's so many topics. Well, so Deirdre, what, what prompted you about. to call? What prompted you to call? Um, I heard something about... Um, God, I, I don't remember. All right, Deirdre. Sorry. Uh, it's yeah, okay, yeah, Deirdre. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, Matt, when Deirdre called, what did she tell you she wanted to talk about? I uh, I asked her if the coffee cup test was right or wrong, and she says, it's wrong. I said, okay, hold on. And that was wow. it. All right. She answered my question. You know, uh, E. Frank is hearing about your screening technique, and he is thinking this is his lucky day. Uh, you could tell. My goodness. Here we go. All right. 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Hi, Frank. I haven't called you in about five years. Um, I've missed you. Yeah, I've missed you, too. I go to bed early nowadays. Um, How dare you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um I would take the cup back, and it's the simplest of all reasons, um, because it's disorderly for it to just be sitting there on the conference table. I'm assuming that the interviewer has already left, so I know he's not there to take it back or do whatever he wants with it. So it's just me and the coffee cup alone in the room. And I, and it, and I know it would be, I feel it would be disorderly for it to be there. And I, that's why I would take it back. And that, and, and that's a sign of character. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I, that's why, again, you are a guest. You don't work there yet. I, I think the respectful thing to do is say, is hold the coffee cup and say, Hey, what should I do with this? Should I bring it back to the kitchen and then let them give you the instruction? But I, I think I agree with you. I think it is a sign of character, not to, to just d- dirty up a cup and leave it wherever you happen to be sitting. But I, it looks like on this one, I'm in the minority, Larry. It's you, me and Herb and Mr. Uh, Mr. It's uh, Innes here. 800-848-9222. Charlie in Hell's Kitchen. What do you think, Charlie? Uh, hi, Frank. I called you to talk about Jimmy Kimmel. I agree with the caller who called a while ago, Norman, basically everything he said. About and I, I, the comment that I made to your call screener was when he threatens to take someone to court, we will debate this in court. That's a way of sounding like a tough guy without actually being one. And, that, and that's the point I want to make, given my former background. That That's that's basically it. He and the caller who already spoke basically exhibited all the points that I did that I was going to say. He he had Trump on his show. He used to have a much lighter, different type of format show. Uh, he laughed and joked around with Trump. Like him, I'm talking about Jimmy Kimmel now. Like him and Trump were best buddies, and it was a nicer show. And then once Trump becomes elected the, the president, once he actually becomes president. You know, the long knives come out, and he starts stabbing her back. And Jimmy Kimmel's obviously just a little, a, a little bit. And uh, it, I, it annoys me greatly. And while I don't want to get sued, or I certainly don't want you to get sued, 
given the kind of vitriolic comments that he's made about President Trump over the years, it wouldn't surprise me if he had some kind of uh, association with uh, Jeffrey Epstein that was somehow untoward. And I won't say anything more than that to get you in trouble. Well, yeah, yeah, I I have no idea, obviously, Charlie, but um, I still I think I don't know. Look, I don't think that that's actionable based what um, Aaron Rodgers said. I do think that people should make an effort not to throw shade at others with no information. That's it. That's all I'm saying. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Suffolk. What do you think, Robert? Hi, Frank. Uh, it's kind of absurd, but I kind of have an understanding of it that may, maybe many people don't. Psych interviews suck. All right? They trick you into answering all kinds of inappropriate and sometimes illegal questions in the interview, trying to size you up. For example, tell us about your family. It's not a question, but most people, they will pretty freely talk about themselves because most people like to. And they get sucked into this kind of stuff. And it really, it goes against decency, if not the law, how they stretch things like this with the coffee cup into whether or not you're going to be hired which has nothing to do with the job at all. Well, look, I mean, you would agree that, especially this was 2019, before people started working from home all the time, you would agree that um, the workplace culture matters, right? Whether someone is a good fit for a workplace culture. Let's say it's an office where everybody jokes around and someone doesn't have a sense of humor and they're kind of uptight. That's something you'd consider if you're a hiring manager, right? Not really. Well, I mean, I I'm sorry. I interviewed for a supervisory job at AudioVox in Hopog, Suffolk County, years ago, in the uh, return and repair department, fixing their car stereos and whatever else they sell. So if Larry's a lawyer, it wouldn't surprise me if this guy was an engineer. These two guys gave me a psych interview. Above and beyond. Any guesses on how he did on that psych interview? And I just made a comment, which really got an emotional reaction. My face turned a uh, deep shade of pink, shall we say, when when I made this comment. And I was quickly escorted out the door like I was going to be uh, someone who would go postal at the company or something. Oh, my. I got, uh, yeah, and I got. They had this guy's number. I'll tell you right. Thank goodness we don't do that to callers. We're kind of like on Prozac or something. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. Afterwards, I sent off four certified letters to the top executives of the company. Wow. Yes. One to the chairman of the board, one to the CEO, and a couple others. So and and We're what was the response? These guys. What was the response? No, I didn't get a response. Ah, but I bla- I blasted them for what they did. I can understand that, Robert. Thank you. I'm sorry you didn't get that job, but it sounds like you were not a good fit for the workplace culture. I can't believe he wasted the postage, uh, and the money for four separate certified letters. Why not just move on? 
move on. You know, I was listening to uh, a radio interview that um, that. Uh, well, no, I don't want to mention any specifics, but I was listening to a radio show that someone had done with someone who had been disgraced, and now they're trying to kind of do a rehabilitation tour. And a person that knows this person that was being interviewed wrote to me and says, you know, at what point, um, at what point do you just, do you stop with this, hey, we're the, we were wronged media tour, and you just make room for a new path in life. I think sometimes you just got to cut the cord and say, all right, you got the better of me. They say, and it's a cliche, but like most cliches, it's true. The best revenge is living well. I'm going to go out and try and get an even better job, right? I'd like to think that's what my attitude would be. 800-848-9222. I mean, you think about what that guy lost in terms of time for that um, for that job interview. And an expense for four separate certified letters. Sounds awful. All right, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. In the early morning rain With a dollar in my hand With an aching in my heart And my pockets full of sand I'm a long way from home And I miss my loved one's soul In the early morning rain to go out on runway number nine big 707 set to go but I'm stuck here in the grass where the cold wind blows 34 minutes after the hour this is Gordon Lightfoot early morning rain another Tom Brodo selection uh, from our listener of the week uh, this was a fun story. 
Workers remodeling an Atlanta movie theater found something very surprising behind a wall. A wallet that had been lost by a patron 65 years earlier. So a contractor found the old wallet behind a wall at the Plaza Theater and turned it over to the cinema's owner, Chris Escobar. Escobar said the area where the wallet was found was likely a former lost and found area in a manager's office that had since been hidden by renovations. And as Escobar told CNN, it was a portal back in time. I love stuff like this. I just love time capsules and everything like that. And then realizing that this has been missing from this family of real people who lived in this neighborhood for 65 years, imagine if we could find them. So Escobar did some research online and discovered the wallet's owner, Floyd Culbreth. He died at age 87 in 2005, but he was able to comp. Uh, he was able to comp. Uh, so she, excuse me, she died in uh, 2005 at the age of 87. But he was able to contact her daughter, Thea Culbreth Chamberlain, who's now 71 years old. She told the Washington Post, I don't even know how to say how flabbergasted I was. And it took a while for it to sink in. This is the first time she'd held her mother's long-lost wallet. Chamberlain was only six years old when her mother lost the wallet back in 1958. Its contents included old family photos, a library card, and raffle tickets. She said looking through the wallet brought back memories of her mother flooding back. She was in there. I know it sounds kind of hokey, but she really was. Now, there's no word in any of the articles that I saw, the Washington Post article, the UPI article, or the uh, CNN article, if those raffle tickets were winners. Can you imagine if those raffle tickets were for a lot of money and they were winning raffle tickets, but she couldn't claim them because they were in this lost wallet? Her whole life, the family's whole life could have been different if only she'd had those winning raffle tickets. Can you imagine? I think that's a good deed. That that fellow, Mr. Escobar, did in uh, returning that wallet. I love stories like that. All right. Well, um, it took me four separate sittings in the course of a week. But my wife and I finally finished watching one of the most talked about films of the year. Uh, The film is Barbie. And this was the other big, other than Oppenheimer, this was the most talked about film of the year. They had the whole Barbenheimer craze, and both of those films, I believe, are nominated for Golden Globes, and they're um, also in contention. There's not nominations yet, but they're also in contention for nominations for Best Picture. And, you know, I really didn't have much interest in seeing Barbie, but I kept hearing from people that the movie was interesting, uh, that the movie was worth seeing. One of the people that I spoke to about this was Neil Pollock. He was that Jeopardy champion that uh, developed that addiction to marijuana. Now he's a a writer and he does a pop culture podcast. He spoke a little bit about the the Barbie film. This is uh, a few months ago. He's Neil Pollock. Barbie. It's not necessarily a movie that I would normally run to see. Am I missing anything if I don't go see it? I mean... It's such a cultural phenomenon, Frank, that you almost have to, right? It's like just just for the ref, just for the reference base. Um, you know, I there's visually there's some good jokes in it. Uh, there's a really great musical number. Uh, Ryan Gosling has this amazing musical number at the end, um, and uh, you know, there's visually there's some really cool stuff going on. You know, I found it 
at times maybe a little didactic. You know, everyone loves these speeches in the middle, these sort of like feminist speeches that one of the characters gives. I, I was like, yeah, all right. Uh, it kind of felt like a little bit like a, you know, 1990s women's study seminar mm-hmm. to me uh, a bit. I mean, well, one's, I don't know what your politics are. I'm, I'm, I, I have, I have my suspicions, um, but uh, it doesn't matter. Like, but, but, but just in terms of like, just the, just the, the pop culture moment, you know, I, I think that it, it, you should, if you care about these kinds of things and I do, you know, it's kind of something you have to um, bear witness to. I can understand why certain conservatives don't like it because it's a very liberal movie. So I, I was intrigued. I was intrigued when he says it's a pop cultural phenomenon. If you want to get a lot of the references, I thought, I thought, okay, maybe it's worth seeing. And then I started to hear more and more stuff that it's so anti-man. And then so I interviewed a conservative film critic, Michael Medved, about this. And I asked him, is it too anti-man to be worth watching? This is what Michael Medved said. Ken is a sympathetic, sort of pathetic character. And uh, what the what the defenders of the film would say is it's not anti-male, it's anti-patriarchy. And then uh, that's, a, you know, he gave a much longer review. But Michael Medved basically said it's worth seeing. I said, is, the, is it entertaining enough that you don't get bothered by that stuff? So then I decided after Medved and Neil Pollack, both of whom have opinions that I respect, after both of them said it's worth checking out, I said, let me check it out. And then Doug McIntyre was in here with his uh, wife, Penny Pizer. Doug McIntyre, former great radio talk show host, now great author. He just wrote the book Frank's Shadow. We had him in studio. This is what Doug McIntyre said. We, we just saw Barbie. We did, did see okay. Barbie. We went to see Barbie. Worst movie of all time or the greatest? Those seem to be the I two choices. I enjoyed it a little more than uh, my husband here, but he uh, liked I, it. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't, I didn't love it or hate it. I, I thought that it was the opening I loved, the Sort of opening the, was spoiler dynamite. Alert, was a, Have you, you know, seen it yet? No, no. Oh, I, I, okay. It's the been opening, a while. The opening is really, it. I'm not going to spoil it. The opening is really entertaining and it's visually interesting. Uh, I don't think that the, the sort of feminist ideology that people are all bent out of shape about, I think it's, I, I don't think it's going to have a long shelf life. I could be wrong about that, but it's a, <laughs> I thought it was a fun movie. I thought it was a fun movie. So my wife and I finished watching it last night and we were both sort of of the same opinion about it, which is we both enjoyed it very much. As everybody has said there, visually, it is stunning. I mean, really, how it doesn't win every award for uh, art design, set design, costume design, it's amazing. I mean, visual effects, it really is an incredibly beautifully made picture also the story is very good you know i had very you know i had no i one i wasn't going to see it so i had no expectations initially and then all these people started talking about it i said all right let me see it and i watch it with an open mind so i didn't have any expectations of the story one way or another but you figure oh it's barbie it's going to be silly the story actually had some depth there are moments that were very funny the thing about it that i really enjoyed most was this cast is incredible not only uh, is it there's a lot of good people in it, Will Ferrell and uh, uh, Kate McKinnon, uh, Margot Robbie, and uh, a bunch of other folks, um, Ryan Gosling, but Rhea Perlman is in it, uh, Michael Sarah, but they're all terrific in it. I mean, it's a perfectly cast film. I do have to say, though, and my wife agreed with this, I do think it was a little anti-man. Right. I mean, I don't think it was anti-patriarchy. I do think it was anti-man. Every single man 
depicted in the film is either an idiot or they're weak or they're mean or all three. There's no, there's not a single male that's depicted in this film that's nice, smart, exhibiting any masculine qualities that are considered positive. I mean, they're the butt of almost every joke. That being said, uh, you know, there's a lot of films that don't portray female characters well and that I think could be conceived as anti-women, especially back a lot of the classic old John Wayne films, maybe even some of the early Sean Connery, James Bond films, where they portray a lot of the women in these films as victims to be protected or uh, just people to be in the kitchen. Those are still great movies because they're really well made. It's just, I don't know, certain films have a certain editorial bent. So I did find it anti-man, but I did not find it anti-man enough to hinder my enjoyment of it. And, you know, it's the same. Look, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a great film. The Mickey Rooney character in Breakfast at Tiffany's has got to be one of the most offensive characters to Asians in history, in the history of cinema. If you look at Gone with the Wind, Gone with the Wind is a great film. Beautiful music, beautiful acting. The movie is about as racist as you can be. I mean, it shows basically every single black person in that film rooting for the South to beat the North in the Civil War. I mean, it's, and, you know, it's got every stereotype of every Southern uh, black female character you can imagine. I mean, it's incredibly offensive to black people. Still a good movie. I, I don't think the fact that something is lacking in certain areas, whether it's race, whether it's gender, or, I don't know, ethnicity, I don't think that makes I don't think that makes or breaks a film. Maybe that makes me naive, but you know, when I'm spending my limited amount of time watching a film for an hour and 45 minutes, I'm really just looking to be entertained and the film is endlessly entertaining for all the reasons that you heard from uh, Neil Pollock and uh, Doug McIntyre and Michael Medved. Um, so I enjoyed it. I and my wife did too. It was cute. You know, look, it's um I don't think it's a classic by any stretch, but I can see why people made such a big deal about it. I thought it was uh I thought it was well done. Hey, did you either of you guys see it? No, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I was um I'm looking I'm I'm I wanna watch it. But I think it's the title just being Barbie that people think it's automatically like a kid's movie. Well, that's what I would have thought. So yeah. Maybe but, they would have called it like Barbie in the real world nah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I asked, I remember I asked, uh, I think it was Debbie Schlussel who was the first person that we talked to about it uh, because I just assumed it was a children's movie. And I asked her if it was, and she says, no, definitely not a children's movie. And she's right. And you know what I did like about it? Um, there are a lot of moments where they sort of. Uh, break the fourth wall where they uh, the narrator who's uh, brilliantly played by Helen Mirren kind of speaks directly to the audience or it's kind of you feel like you're in on the joke and you actually learn a whole bunch and not necessarily all flattering about the history of Barbie about the uh, history of the people that made Barbie so uh, I was glad I watched it I uh, when it came out and everyone was making a big deal about it wouldn't have even thought to see it, but I'm glad that I uh, glad that I did. Tony, did you see it at all? No, I had no desire to see Still, it. Still, even after uh, the stellar review that I just gave. Well, maybe one night when nothing's on TV, I might watch it. There you go. Yeah, I watched it. You know, these smart TVs are tricky because 
uh, you, the idea behind the smart TV is supposed to be you speak into your remote control and you say, Barbie. And then it pops up the option of what you want to watch. I mean, there's a reason that you're paying for 10 different streaming networks. Chances are one of them will have what you want to watch. And we're now living in a post-DVD world since Netflix screwed me over. And um, it comes up, first option is to buy or rent it for, I don't know, on one platform for $15. And then it's another platform to $12. And I was just about to buy it. Maybe it was $6 to rent. And she said, well, my wife said, oh, check Max. That's a, it used to be HBO Max. Now it's just Max. Check Max. See if you can watch it on there. And sure enough, you can watch it on Max for free. So had I just gone with the dopey instructions from my remote control, I would have been out whatever it was, $12. But because, you know, we had the wherewithal to do our research, we saw that we could get it for free. Not free because we're paying for the service. But we saw we could get it included with the price of... Um, of Max. So I liked it. Thought it was well done. Uh, it's my stellar and complete review. All right. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on anything we're talking about, 800-848-9222. Still to come. Brian Kilmeade will be here. There is a whole lot of stuff to get into with respect to the Middle East. A lot of stuff um, to get into with respect to the uh, presidential race. We have some predictions from Nostradamus. We're going to get into those and how accurate those may or may not be for the 2024. We'll take some of your predictions and um, a whole lot more, too. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Um, you know, it was on this day in history. This song was actually a favorite towards the end of his life of none other than Lyndon Johnson. And it was on uh, this day in 1965 that Lyndon Johnson, in his State of the Union, proclaimed his vision of a great society and called for an enormous program of social welfare legislation. Um, 
there's some debate about how that has fared over the course of the last almost 60 years. So you tell me. Hey, I was just looking at my football picks for this weekend because I'm in number one in my pool. And if, um, you know, if I win this week, then I you know, get a couple hundred bucks for the season. You know, it's not a lot of money, but, you know, it's just a friendly pool, a bunch of folks. And, but it's a couple hundred bucks that I could use. Here's what I don't understand. The Ravens, I mean, maybe this is because it's going to be a weird week. It is weird because there's no Thursday night game and there's two Saturday games. I love these Saturday games. It's a lot of fun. I think um, I think we have a children's birthday party to go to on Saturday. And then maybe there'll be an after party for that. Otherwise, maybe we'll get to go home. And uh, maybe I'll get to watch this uh, some of this football game. Although, actually, it's an afternoon game. So maybe it'll be on at the children's party. Who knows? But the Ravens are beating everybody. I don't understand how the Steelers are um, three and a half points favored over the Ravens. I mean, it must be because they're figuring the Ravens have already won it all and they're going to rest all of their um, their starters for the playoffs and don't want to risk any injury. That must be what it is. But I'll tell you what, because of my loyalty to the good folks over at WCBM in Baltimore, I am absolutely taking the Ravens. And because I feel bad about that USS Cyclops disappearing. In that interview that we talked with yesterday with Marvin Barish, that ship that disappeared in the midst of World War One, that was on its way to Baltimore. So I feel an obligation even more now to pick Baltimore uh, over the steel workers. So uh, for my picks, because look, if you followed me, you would have won your football pool all um, all week, all season as well. My picks are I'm going Baltimore over the Steelers. I'm going. I'll go Houston over the uh, over the Colts. I'll go Atlanta over the Saints. I will go uh, Cleveland over Cincinnati. Uh, an Ohio versus Ohio matchup. Huh? I'll go the Jets over the Patriots. I'm going with Tennessee over Jacksonville. Going with Detroit over Minnesota. I usually pick Minnesota because they voted for Jesse Ventura. I'm going with Detroit because of. Um, our great affiliate there, AM 910, the Superstation. I'm going with uh, Tampa Bay over Carolina. Ooh, Dallas is favored 13.5 points over Washington. I don't like Washington because they changed their name. And I hate anybody that bows to the kind of the politically correct winds of name changing. But I really don't like the Cowboys. But I- I'm, I'll root for them because, you know, you got my friend Vinny who's a Cowboys fan. My friend Bill Smith is a Cowboys fan. So for them... And to oppose um, the Washington football team, I'll support them. I'm going the 49ers over the Rams. I'm taking the Giants over the Eagles. I will go with the Bears over the Packers. I will take uh, Seattle over Arizona. This is all with the points. Um, Raiders over Denver. Hmm. Chargers, Chiefs. Huh. I'll go with the Chiefs over the Chargers. And uh, and then finally, I'll go with Buffalo over Miami. So those are my picks. And uh, if you would have followed me the whole season, you would have been doing pretty well. Pretty well. All right. 800-848-9222. Oh, Pamela's on. Pamela was holding yesterday a while, and we didn't get to her. So let's get to her first. Hi, Pamela. I'm sorry that we didn't oh. get to you yesterday. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I didn't see the Barbie movie, but um, I had heard that one of the criticisms of it why Vietnam banned it is because in the background, they pay an homage to China with a, the map of nine. That's the Chinese version of what they own in Asia, which the world does not agree with. <laughs> and they pay that because, of course, China has a big influence on Hollywood. 
So they did that to please China to keep that market open and perhaps money. Um, so that was one of the criticisms of it and uh, why a lot of people, you know, may wonder, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I, that doesn't surprise me, uh, by the way, uh, because we did this whole interview, I don't know if you heard it at the time, with Chris Fenton, and we went through all the different ways that China has caused Hollywood to essentially bend to their will. You know, not about 20 years ago, it was not unusual to see films that were critical of China. You had the Brad Pitt film, Seven Years in Tibet. You had R- Red Corner with Richard Gere. And then basically China said, no, we're not carrying any more of your films that do this. And all of a sudden, they all changed their tune overnight. You know, in the first Independence Day, the Americans were able to beat the aliens on their own. In the second one, they needed the Chinese to do it. If you look at the, um, you, if you look at, uh, I think it was uh, Gravity with Sandra Bullock, who rescued her? Chinese astronauts. If you look at um, all these films, there's these key plot points, and you know, again, these, these are in, not not necessarily relevant to the plot, but there's all these plot points where the heroes are all the Chinese characters, or in the case of The Martian, there's a critical piece of technology that's made by the Chinese. So I don't like that uh, at all, but, um, you know, I I almost, I did not notice that, honestly, until you just mentioned it, and if I were to watch it again, I would keep an eye out for it when they put that map map out there, but I, uh, I did not actually realize that. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting point, and, uh, you know, it's influencing everything we see, which I find kind of sad. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, not that all the movies years ago were always independent. They had influences in them. You know, I saw certain influences in the movies of the 50s and everything, uh, the, the communist influence or, or putting down capitalism and everything. I mean, it's always been there. But since we're having this issue right now with control of our media and Hollywood, I think it's an important point. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it uh, because I I forgot about it. I remember reading about it at the time, but I forgot about it. And the thing that's in, and thanks for the call, Pamela. The thing that's interesting that you mentioned is the people upset about that are the Vietnamese, Vietnam, another communist country, even another communist country in Asia is sick of being bullied by the Chinese. So it's not just the uh, the Western imperialists, not just the Western capitalist countries that are fed up with China. Even Vietnam, not at all happy with China. Um, hey, Tony, is my analysis of the Steelers-Ravens game correct? Is that why the Steelers are favored? Because they're not going to, all the Ravens players are going to be seated? Correct. That's it. Okay. Well, I'm still going with Baltimore. Uh, they, they've had an incredible season. I think they, they're going to finish strong. All right. A lot more stuff to come. Noam Layden and Brian Kilmeade to come. Keep asking questions. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.